1: Now. 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 now,
2: more of the John Chuckery Show. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back with you on the John Chuckery Show. Halfway home on this Friday evening. 404-741-0929. That is the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. The Odyssey app is how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 929 game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. At J M C H three one six on my personal Twitter page, we got Dom Delawise producing the show here tonight. Uh, we will do rank them coming up at ten forty, so you can hit us up on the text line on my Twitter page. Get me your lists. Um, we will do that at ten forty. Dom is uh, going to be running all that. He said he's done it before, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see how he does with uh, all of that. So Michael Harris. You know, obviously had a monster year for the Atlanta Braves, rookie of the year. 19 homers, hit uh, 297, scored 75 runs, 64 RBI, 20 stolen bases in just 114 games with 441 plate appearances. Now, the surprising thing when you look at Michael Harris's numbers was the amount of power that he had. In the big leagues in the one season for the Braves, 19 homers in 414 at bats. His minor league career numbers. He hit 14 homers in 828 or sorry, 739 at bats. So at the major league level, 19 in 414 at bats. The minors, all the minors combined, 9 or sorry, 14 in 739 at bats. Now, we've seen this before, right? Uh, Ozzie. Ozzy wasn't a 30-home run hitter down in the minors. In fact, he was a you know, single-digit home run type of guy. And then, look, as your body physically matures and you get bigger, stronger, faster, all those good kind of things, you know, you're going to get more powerful, right? But that's a, that's a pretty good jump when you consider that he hit that many home runs. So what do we have expectations for Michael Harris this year? So I said this on TV on uh, Sunday night on uh, 11 Alive with uh, Maria Martin uh, and Joe Patrick was was with us as well. But I said this on Sunday night show. I do think Michael Harris is going to win the Gold Glove this year. Could he have been in the mix for the Gold Glove? Yes. Was it realistic to think that a rookie who didn't play a full season, because you're always going to, with the gold glove, you're going to reward, obviously first, people that played a whole season, and then you're going to reward a lot of players that have been in the mix before for gold gloves. A lot of times guys just don't sneak up out of nowhere to win the gold glove, and especially with rookies, right? I mean, we've seen examples. The kid for Houston last year that was the shortstop, he won the gold glove. You know, Fred Lynn, Ichiro, guys like that have won the Gold Glove in their rookie year, but those guys also won the MVP award in their rookie year. So, you know, unless you're a real standout, and and it's not that Michael Harris wasn't a standout, but when you have guys that have played for a full season and you have guys that have the reputation for being really good defensive players, it's just hard to go break into that click sometimes. But once you get there, once you're, once you're there at that level, now it becomes easier. Not, now you rattle off five, six, seven gold gloves in a row, right? So I do think that Michael Harris is going to win his first gold glove this year, especially with the dynamic and the, all the highlight real plays that he had. Now, I do expect his power to go down a little bit. I, I don't know that he's a 25-homer hitter. I do, I do expect that his his power will tail off a little bit. And teams will, teams will pitch him differently this year. I think he takes a step back from his power numbers. I think he takes a little bit of a step back from his batting average. The only thing I would like to see out of Michael Harris, the only area that I would like to see be improved is his on-base percentage. And especially because if he's going to hit probably second in their order, replace Dansby, I'd like to see that on-base percentage get back to 350 and above. And if you look at his minor league numbers, 344, then when he got to Rome in his first stint, only 93 uh, plate appearances, but 269, but 403, 362, 372. So he had some good on-base numbers. But if he can get that on-base percentage up because if you're going to hit second, you'd love to have Ronnie get back to his 380 to 400 on-base percentage ways and if Michael Harris can be 350 360 on base and probably to do that, you know, if he takes a step back in his batting average, he's going to have to draw more walks. And and that comes with patience and Understanding major league pitchers and different things like that. He had 21 walks uh, and 107 strikeouts. So he was basically five to one strikeout to walk. Now, again, that's one of those things that when you're coming up in the league and you haven't adjusted to pitchers and don't have as much film on them and don't have a book on them and all those sorts of things, you know, that, you know, the things that Chipper talked about, you know, once you start to get a book on some of these guys and you start to figure out what their approach is going to be to you, then you can be more patient or get more hits or things like that. But if you think that his batting, or I do, I think that his batting average drops a little bit, but I want to see that on-base percentage get up there. And look, 515 slugging, ah, that's terrific. 20 stolen bases, I think that number is going to go up. 20 steals to only two caught stealing. I think that number goes up, and especially with all of these rules and the, the size of the bases now and all those different kinds of things that, that go along with it. I expect that he will have an increase in his stolen bases. He could be maybe a 30 to 40 stolen base guy, especially if we're going to make stolen bases back in vogue. And if you're going to hit second in the order, getting on second base for Riley, Olson, you know, if it's Azuna, Murphy, Darno, whatever. O- Ozzy, you know, standing on second base and being able to score on a single, you know, that's that's the other thing that guys at the very top of the order need to do. Get on base, have some speed, circle the bases, and score a ton of runs. And he scored 75 runs, and you consider the fact that where he hit in the order, you know, usually ninth in the order. But when you have Ronnie and Dansby and then Olsen, Riley, and all those guys, you know, hitting right behind him, he was in a pretty good spot. But I do expect him that he will move himself up. He'll move move himself up in the order and probably replace Dansby Swanson because I still think that – I still think Ozzie's a prime candidate for that five spot. Right, whatever you wanna whatever you wanna say, if it's uh Ronnie leadoff, Michael Harris two, wherever you put Olson, Austin Riley, whatever, whatever three, four of those guys are, but then Ozzie Albee's hitting fifth. I wanna take advantage of his power. I wanna take advantage of his run producing skills. Yeah, he can steal bases down there. He doesn't have to have the on-base percentage and all those kinds of things. So I want to take advantage of, yeah, they are going to play two sets of games. They're going to play They're going to play two sets of games, then they're going to have whatever team wins those, then they're
1: going to have a final. What, what kind of... What, what kind of... <laughs> what was wrong with the old Rising All-Star I, game? What was wrong I, with the old Rising Star game? I
2: mean, what was wrong with anything from the past? I mean...
1: Like I I'll give them credit for the new All-Star game. I think that the way the format especially since it's like a goal that you're trying to get to, you're trying to reach a number, so it makes it a little bit more competitive as far as the All-Star game goes. The Rising Stars game like it, it was fine the way it was. I don't I don't I don't get
2: it. I I don't I don't think anything was I mean all of this stuff was fine as it was, but um anyway. Um so that that's how they're going to do the Rising Stars game is Four teams, and then they'll whittle it down to two, and then we have to like how many games do we need for the Rising All Stars? Like, how, how, right. I, I mean, in all, I mean, with all due respect, like how many how many right. games do we need to see all these guys play?
1: Yeah,
2: uh, yeah, at nine at, at and again it's nine o'clock our time. Just how many games do they need to play? But anyway, um, back to Michael Harris. But um, look, I, I I expect big things out of Michael Harris if he can get on base, if he can be a hundred runs scored. He could be 30, 40 steals, play gold gloves, center field. That that's what you're looking at. The, all the power and everything like that, I think it's just a real bonus. I do expect his home run numbers to level off a little bit. Pe- teams will teams and pitchers will pitch him differently. You know, you, you, you kind of challenge some of these young guys to see what they can do, right? You 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 can you try to challenge some of those guys into, okay, let's see if you can hit this and then You know, Michael Harris was a good enough hitter that, you know, he – you get 19 homers in only 114 games. That's a pretty good number. I don't expect him to climb his way up into a 30-home run hitter. But if he's 15 home runs, 15, 16 homers over the course of a full season and he's 30, 40 steals and he's on base at a 350-plus clip, he'll be a 100-run scored guy, gold glove caliber center fielder. That's that's all. That's what you ask for. That, that's that's what I expect out of Michael Harris. And and one of the things that was so good about Ronald Acuna that when he got into that leadoff spot, you know, he bounced around a little bit early in his career, but he became a much better on base percentage guy. You know, he he was a guy 330, 340, Then he got it up to 350, 360. Then you know he was, you know, at the peak the last couple of years. Close to 400. Now, not so much last year, but he still was in the 360s, but 400 on-base percentage, 398, 400. You know, that's what you want out of a leadoff hitter. Yeah, you love all the home runs and stuff like that, but a leadoff hitter's job, no matter what, is to get on base. To get on base, stand on second, and then have, you know, the meat of your order drive you in. The Rileys and the Olsons and, you know, Ozuna and guys like that drive you in and and scoring a bunch of runs. And I think Michael Harris will, will provide that kind of punch and and he'll have, you know, what we call sneaky power to go along with it. So um I don't see I don't see Strider, I don't see Harris stepping back because their team around them is so good. The roster around Michael Harris and Spencer Strider is so good. And I still think that I again I saw the Pocota, what is it the Pocota, ratings or whatever like that where the Braves were I think they I think they had them finishing second in the NL East so you know again uh, they've they've picked the Braves or to finish I think second for 5 years in a row they've they've picked every every team but the Braves in the last 5 years to be the NL East division champion and the Braves have won it every single year so we'll see what happens but uh, I expect a big season out of Michael Harris all right, when we get back, it'll be time for That's Life. Uh, sad news for Bruce Willis, and we'll get to a top ten as well. Chuck in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, 910thegame, the Odyssey.com app. now, more of the John Chuckery Show. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back with your John Chuckery Show. 921 live from the Kia Studios. You know what time it is. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. 404-741-0929. Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Honestly, the app is how you catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I am at JMCH316. We got Dom DeLuise producing the show here tonight. Uh, we'll get to our top ten here in just a little bit. Um, this is sad news. You know, we Bruce Willis is now diagnosed with a form of dementia, um, what is it? Uh, what was it? Uh, Demi Moore put out an Instagram post. Yeah, and for people under sixty, and I, for it says that for people under sixty, it's a common form of dementia. But he's like sixty-seven years old or something like that. But it's a form of dementia. Remember, he he was suffering from aphasia,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, which I had. That that's. That's what happened to my brain when I got my stroke and things like that. So um, just sad news for Bruce Willis. I mean, look, 67 is not that old in today's life terms and things like that. And, look, he's one of the fun actors of all time. I mean, not winning an Academy Award or anything like that, but so many great movies. I mean, and just sad to see. You know, he's we talked about last week on the show, like guys, guys and things like that. Mm -hmm. Bruce Willis is a guy's guy.
1: Yeah. Like like he's a man's man and guy's guy. So, I was um, going to say funny enough, the last time you and I did a full show together, mm-hmm. our top 10 was ranking Bruce Willis movies. Yeah. Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. See? Now, um, well, I'll get to that story in
2: just a second here because I want to I, I want to save that uh, for the end. Um, I like to do these auctions for sports cards. There's a 1968 Tops Mickey Mantle card now we talked a while back on the show about a 52 tops mantle his first ever tops card not his rookie card but it's his first ever tops card the 52 mantle and there was a I think it was a mint condition it was a it was a nine grade out of 10 so nine out of 10 it, it was a nine grade and it was I think it sold for 10 million dollars. So there is a 1968 Mickey Mantle card, which is his second-to-last card. So the 69 tops Mickey Mantle card is the last regular-issue card of Mantle. 68 is the second-to-last. There is a Gem Mint 10 graded version by PSA online in an auction. $336,000. $336,000, $280,000, but with the buyer's premium on it, $336,000. And there's still, I think it's almost two weeks, not 10 days. So there's still 10 days left to bid on this car. So I'm telling you, honestly, like the bids will come in fast and furious when the auction's about to end. This thing will be, it'll be over a half million when it's all said and done. Half million dollars for the second-to-last Mickey Mantle regular-issued card. I know it's old and all that kind of stuff, and it's, look, it's a Gem Mint 10. Um, and when you look at the card, you kind of scratch your head and say, is that card completely flawless? But that thing will be a half a million dollars. We'll track that auction, but that thing is going to end up being a half a million dollars when it's uh, all said and done. Now, McDonald's is about to debut plant-based McNuggets. So, they developed this with Beyond Meat and one of the things I could kick myself for when the pandemic hit and stocks tanked,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, I got in on the market. Yeah. Me and, me and a couple buddies of mine, we got, we bought a whole bunch. I bought thousands of dollars mm-hmm. worth of stock. Okay, and like a lot of things, I hit on, like Carnival Cruise Line. Yep, you know, held on to it for a while. Delta,
1: mm-hmm. held
2: on to it for a while. Um, I had the competitor. I bought, I bought the competitor to Intel. So, um, a is it AMF or whatever, something like that. Am, no, mm-hmm. AM, oh, AMD. AMD, AMD. Okay, yeah, yeah. They are the direct competitor to Intel, the microprocessor, right? Okay, yeah. So I made a I made a bunch of money off that. And then I still have my WWE stock, which is honestly, I think it's like right now it's had eighty nine percent growth on it. Okay. <laughs> so I, I made good money off off the market and things like that. One of the things that we debated buying and we were like, eh I don't know what this is gonna be was Beyond Meat. Hmm. And we should have bought that stock. Yeah. I could tell you, I don't know what the I don't know what the stock price is now, but I I, prom- I I've seen it at times where it was it was over 100% in growth and things like that. I should have bought Beyond Meat. But Beyond Meat is working with McDonald's and they are going to introduce plant-based McNuggets. Now Germany will be the first market to get them, but they said the McPlant nuggets (laughs) are made from peas, corn, and wheat with tempura batter Uh and are the second product McDonald's has developed with Beyond Meat, an El Segundo based uh, plant maker of uh, our plant based meal food. But they have their McPlant burger and all that.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Okay. When I want chicken nuggets, I want chicken nuggets. (laughs) I don't want McPlant nuggets. Mm -hmm. Like, if I don't, if I want to go out and, you know, like they'll, like the McDonald's store, like they'll have like grassy areas and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. If I want to go graze in the grass, (laughs) right? I'll do that. Like, I don't want things that are plant based when it comes to my McNuggets. Oh,
1: yeah. And you know this this is all the vegan's fault. This is all the vegan's fault. I say this all the time. Vegans are just like they yeah, it's a nice lifestyle and they feel good and healthy and all that. Vegans are the most just depressed people in the world because you give up meat and then you spend the rest of your life trying to make everything else taste like meat. Right. I right. don't get it. Right. That that's that and that's what they
2: all say is, well, it still tastes like burgers. It still tastes like chicken. Well, then why don't you just eat chicken? I mean, with all due respect, you know, not McNuggets, but, you know, lean chicken breast is good for you. It's a good source of protein. It's a good, it's a good meal. Like, if you're eating, like, a, a grilled chicken breast,
1: that's good eating. <laughs> I, I got news for you. Have,
2: that's what the bodybuilders eat. That's, yep. you know, that's, that's what the people who are really in shape and things eat. That's all they eat. That's what wrestlers eat. I mean, that's guys that are really in shape. That's what they eat. So it's okay to eat that stuff. Now, again, McNuggets is a whole different thing. But how much new – if you're eating plant-based McNuggets, truthfully, going to McDonald's to eat plant-based McNuggets, you're not worried about the health of the food, right? <laughs> no,
1: not at all.
2: Because there's going to be so many preservatives and yeah. different things like that in these foods. Yep. That's. I think they did a study about that Impossible Burger, mm-hmm. that the sodium content is so off the
1: chart. Yep. Like it's better to just get a regular, regular hamburger. And also Burger King got in trouble for that Impossible Whopper because they found out, they're like, oh, yeah, you have this, you know, Impossible Burger, but you're cooking it on the same grill that you cook all your regular burgers right. with. Right, right. And, and by the
2: time you add in all of the things that make it try to taste like meat, the salt and the preservatives and different things like that, It's the unhealthiest thing you could eat in the world. Honestly, you're better off just to go out in the parking lot and graze in the grass. Get down on all fours and (laughs) just be like a (laughs) cow or a pig and just graze in the grass. Honestly, it's better for you at that point. So, anyway, so McDonald's is going to have their McPlant nuggets that they're developing with Beyond Meat and things like that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. um, With that... Tonight's top ten list. Top ten worst, and I don't mean necessarily from a caloric standpoint, but the worst
1: fast food menu items. Dom, the floor is yours. Alrighty. So I, I had a little trouble getting this list together. Uh, mm-hmm. Just thinking, you know, I got about eight, and then I was like, dang, I need like two more. Um, but I came up with a list, and some of these will be controversial, so I'm sure some of the listeners will be upset. But starting down at the very bottom, um, I have any food from Starbucks. Any, like, hmm. real food, not like the cake pops or, like, the drinks. That I, Which my daughter lives off those cake pops. Yeah. Like, she loves the birthday cake mm-hmm. pops and stuff like that. Cake pops and lemon loaf cake things. If yeah. If it's a pastry, listen, those the, are good.
2: The, what is it, at Christmas time, the cranberry yeah. whatever Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. I mean, it's fantastic. world.
1: Yep, fantastic. Any other real food from Starbucks is flat out disgusting. Like, genuinely terrible.
2: Yeah, I mean, they they put those you know, like
1: frozen sandwiches in the, yep. you know, little broiler oven there. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, next up, uh, I kind of did the same thing. Uh, anything from Sonic. I cannot oh, stand man. Sonic's. I cannot stand. Really? Outside of like three items on their menu. Outside of their drinks and like three items. I like their jalapeno poppers. I like their footlong coney dog. And then I like their chili cheese uh, tater tots. Outside of that, can't stand it.
2: Uh, their burgers are great. Um, their milkshakes and all that are great. Yeah. Drinks fries and are stuff, pretty they good. Got yeah. But I, 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 don't
1: know. The 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 Coney dogs, the burgers, like, those are all really good.
2: I, I think that they are. So I, I think
1: Sonic's know. underrated. I think it might maybe because I've only been to like two Sonics. There was one that was close to my dad's house that I would go to sometimes, yeah. and every time I went, I was disappointed. Hmm. Okay. All right, next up, uh, I went with one of the pizza chains. Papa John's, to me, is the worst of all of the big pizza chains. Um, I would much rather go somewhere. My... my Actual preference is a place called Marcos. There's a couple of oh, them yeah. here in Atlanta.
2: Yeah, there's there's a thousand. Amazing. Marcos. Amazing. Yeah,
1: I love Marcos. Yeah, get get the get the thin crust medium. It's like mm-hmm. six, six bucks or something yeah. like that. Marcos is awesome. Yeah. Uh, after Papa John, so we're at seven. Um, Dunkin' Donuts, or as they are officially called now, just Dunkin'. Mm-hmm. Um, their hot chocolate is the worst hot chocolate I've ever had in my life. Wow, like terrible. It's ridiculously thick, and like it, it feels like they stopped stirring the mix in halfway through. And like, but it's always like that. It's almost like a paste. Almost. It's. Ugh. What um, do you think about Starbucks? Because I love their. I love the Starbucks white. Yes. Hot so, chocolate. Starbucks, as far as their coffee and, and drinks and stuff like that, I'm with it. Okay. All every day of the week. Okay. All right. After the Dunkin', we are at six. Uh, the McDonald's filet fish. Now I have been told by many people um, that are older than me that back in the day the filet fish was amazing. Not anymore. It's lost its luster. It's because of the
2: size of it. So it used to be the size of the bun, Mm. but now it's like the size of a postage (laughs) stamp. Yeah. Um, I I like the filet o fish. I don't get tartar sauce on it. Tartar sauce Uh, is disgusting. But there are. But they're the innovator of the fish sandwich because Mm -hmm. now everybody does a fish sandwich. That is true. Uh, And there and there are much better fish sandwiches and stuff. But, um. I, I. I can understand that. I, I still enjoy it though. Like, okay. like their their flag- It's just too small. Yeah. Like the bun overwhelms the, the fish. The flag- the fish. Yes. Okay.
1: All right. Next up at five, I have the Taco Bell Cinnamon Twist. Oh um, yeah. I yeah. I I don't know what it is. I don't ever really get a strong enough cinnamon or sugar flavor. They're just kind of there, and I always throw them away. Or like I will. I will always ask like, Hey, can I get like nachos and cheese instead of? The cinnamon twist, the Taco Bell cinnamon twists are terrible. And I love Taco Bell. But the cinnamon twist, get them out. Yeah, I, I agree. And they put them in some of those boxes and yes, stuff like that. all the, the time. time. Yes. <laughs> all yes. right, at four, um, Dunkin' Donuts is making another appearance. Uh, they have these egg white bites type yes. deals. Uh huh. Terrible. Um, unless you drink them, Starbucks has sauce. those too. Now that's all the rage
2: now too. Yeah, is the egg egg, the egg, egg bites the yeah. egg bites and egg white bites and stuff like that. Yeah, so.
1: Dunkins are terrible unless you just drench it in hot sauce and then it becomes edible. Okay. Outside of that, no. Um, at number three, Denny's had a bil- bacon milkshake for a while. Oh, yes, it was a real thing. Oh. Never tried it, never had any intention of trying it, but it was a real thing. It existed. It might still exist today in some states. Oh at 2. And this isn't because they're nasty. It's just because Arby's what are you doing? Arby's crinkle cut fries. You had the curly fry and the curly fry was great. Why are we why are we changing things? Why are we taking away from the greatness of the curly well,
2: fry? Well, it's because they screwed everybody over and took away the potato cakes. Okay. That that I mean, that's why because the potato cakes was phenomenal. Like that that's that's one of the great all-time menu items from mm-hmm. Arby's is their potato cakes. Yeah. Like, forget the forget the curly fries and all that. Man, the potato cakes were the jam.
1: Like, mm. that was that was the menu item there. And they took it away. Yeah. Like, they got rid of it. It's like, what? But also, Wet. like, you brought the crinkle-cut fries, and, like, crinkle-cut fries are, are the worst type of fry. Of all the type of fries you can get, crinkle-cut, to me, is just kind of yeah. bottom tier. And at number one, I have the McRib. And the McRib is number one. Yeah, I've got it on there. That that's the McRib yeah. is terrible, and it's overhyped. But most importantly, the problem with the McRib is that it's only good if you get it fresh. So, like, if you go to McDonald's at 1 p.m. when they first start like making them and heating them up and stuff, you're good. After like two o'clock, they're all just been sitting in this nasty fake barbecue sauce. Yeah, and, sauce and that's they're terrible. just and, and they're just like some kind of faux
2: meat patty yeah, or whatever like that. So absolutely. I've got the McRib. I've got the uh chicken fries from uh Really? Uh, yeah, from chicken burger fries are King? awful. I, I yeah. Like that, I like that. Um Burger King's Nuggets too, by the way, aren't aren't yeah, very no, good. No, not at all. Um any veggie burger. <laughs> Fair. Uh the bacon fries from Wendy, I don't think it's real are, bacon and I don't yeah, think it's cheesy it's or disappointing, anything. Like that. Yeah. The kale salad from yeah. Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A with the kale salad. Yeah. Um, The gordita crunch thing, that's like a soft so taco a with a and a hard, heart. Sh- like, make up your mind, okay? I kind of like it, though. Ugh. And, then, uh, and then the potato burrito. Um, oh, from, yeah, from, yeah, from, yeah, yeah, they
1: do that. That's, that's like the, on
2: the dollar menu. Yeah, like, the other,
1: they're, they're fake vegan options where you can, it's just, yeah, it's just you, potatoes and black right. beans. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. So,
2: there you go. Alright, when we get back, Kurt Heelan joined us earlier in the show. We'll talk some Hawks and NBA with him. Chuck Green, Kia Studios. Sports Radio, on the game, the Odyssey.com app. 92.9
0: The Game. Now you can listen to the game anywhere in the world. Just go to radio.com and stream us anytime. Using the internet. Stay connected to Atlanta sports 24-7. Only at radio.com and the
3: radio.com app. Streaming live now. Sports
2: Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio, 92.9, The Game It is the This is John Chuck Show coming to you live on this Friday evening as we are in the All-Star break. Of course, Futures game, or Rising Stars game uh, coming up uh, tonight, and uh, A.J. Griffin going to be a part of that, the only Hawk that's going to be a part of all of that. Let's talk some NBA. Let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. Let's talk to our buddy Kurt Helan. He is the lead NBA writer, managing editor at NBC Sports Dot com and he is on Twitter at Basketball Talk. As always, Kurt, appreciate it, man, and uh, happy All-Star Weekend to you.
3: Uh, thanks. Yeah, I'm out, I am out here in Salt Lake City where it's, it's not as cold as I thought it would be, so it's, it's all good.
2: Uh, no snow or anything out there? I mean...
3: Uh, there's, there, there's definitely snow in the mountains. there's a, I'm, I'm like, oh, this flight is full. There's a lot of people going out to All-Star Game. I'm like, no, man, they're just going out to ski. Everybody on the flight was coming up. There's snow in the mountains, but it's not bad in the city.
2: Well, uh, when we talk about disappointing teams, Kurt, uh, the Hawks, you know, for at least us Hawks fans are, are right there in that list. But give me from a national perspective, if you were to rank or just categorize how disappointing this Hawks season has been, where does it rank among teams or whatever across the league? How, how disappointing have they been from a national perspective?
3: Yeah, I think that they would be near the top of that list. They, they wouldn't be alone, but they, they, they obviously, and you guys know this, and I don't think it was just the fans. This was internal. They thought with the addition of DeJounte Murray and everything, that was going to be going on there, that this was going to be a top tier playoff team. If If not a contender, at least somebody who was a, a top four seed and hosting around, and they were ready to take a step forward, and that obviously has not been the case. Um, so yeah, they, it's disappointing, and it's it's a rough step back because now you've got to figure out what it is that what it is going to take to get where you want to go. Because I mean, it doesn't it doesn't feel that far away with this roster, but yet it, that's not what it looks like on the court right now.
2: And you know, Kurt, I mean, you and I have talked specifically about the idea that. Nate McMillan is most likely not going to be back next year. And look, it's another trade deadline where they didn't trade John Collins and some things like that. But if it doesn't go well this year, and and listen, just even making the play-in tournament isn't going to be enough, I I think. But if it doesn't go well next year, short of Trey Young, Murray, you know, maybe Hunter, are they going to try to blow this thing up? I mean, you know, at some point do you have to – hit the reset button, you know, it, it's not worked out for a couple of years now, but do they have to have a different approach to what this roster is?
3: Yeah, I think so. I Look, I think with the new GM, with Landry Fields in there, you've got to give him a summer to implant, work his vision of what he wants. That's going to mean hiring his coach, like you said, um, tweaking everything around Murray and, and uh, Trey Young, obviously and and see what it looks like next year. But if next year's like you said, if next year's a real struggle, then then it's time to take that step back and decide exactly how you're gonna do this going forward. Is this a Trey Young team or is Trey Young not the guy and maybe we need to look a different direct I mean, there's a lot of questions, you know, questions there. Are we building right around Trey Young if he is gonna be our, our guy? There's a lot of questions there to answer, but I don't, you know, I like you said. I think that Landry's got to get one summer to answer those before you get to the to to the really hard ones.
2: Lead NBA writer for NBCSports.com, Kurt Heelan, joining us on the com hotline. Well, then this brings up a question though: is is Tony Wrestler really running the team, or is Landry Fields going to be in charge of making those decisions? Because Look, I, I fully believe that Tony Ressler is the driving force behind why they're not in the luxury tax. And again, we can have the debate about whether it makes sense or not makes sense, but I just I get the sense that moving on from Travis Schlank, not going in the luxury tax, there are things about Tony Ressler that lead me to believe that, you know, he's really calling the shots. And of course we heard the story about, you know, Nick Ressler, his son. So are they gonna give Landry Fields, you know, kind of the openness to be able to do what he's got to do.
3: That's a really good question. That I mean I think that that gets at the heart of it and it's it's not a question I, I can answer easily from the outside and I, it, it's it's you know how much freedom does he have does Kin I I think we like most owners what he'll say is I'm willing to go over the tax line if we're competitive if we're in the mix for a ti-, you know if we're in the mix for a title but you're coming up on some tough numbers with just the way this, mm-hmm. the, with the way this roster is constructed, where they're going to have to make some. They're going to have to make some decisions about that, and maybe lean into the tax a little bit just to get. Uh, to get, I guess the other question that comes with that is just with the new CBA. Which I think a lot of teams are holding off, waiting right now. They want to see what the new CBA is going to look like, what that's going to mean in terms of tax what it's going to mean in terms of revenue split, and then, you know, the new TV deal will come in after that. But there's a lot of teams kind of on hold, like, well, what's that number going to be? What are the tax penalties going to look like? How severe are they before they jump in?
2: Kurt, uh, let's bounce around the league a little bit. Um, The Hawks were involved in a four-team trade that one of the participants, Gary Payton Jr., going back to the – from the Portland Trailblazers back to the Golden State Warriors – Medical report said that he could be injured for as much as three months. What is the league, do you think, going to do about this? this? This whole thing is, in a kind word, a debacle that happened. Yeah. And, it, and it held up four teams from being able to make a move. What does the league do in a situation like this? How deep are they going to investigate what Portland did release or the information that was given to Golden State? Because – I don't know how this can happen. Like I don't I don't in my mind I can't wrap my arms around how all of this could go down.
3: Yeah, I and I think it's going to be interesting because this is not the first team to suggest that the Portland Trail Blazers were not fully forthcoming with a player that was coming over to them. And there's there's degrees here between, you know, like not there's one thing to turn over the medical reports and another to say, you know, hey, We've been giving him a painkiller and kind of getting them to play through this for a while. Like, there seems to be something there, and I, I wish I had a good answer for that. Like, what that league – but the league has to investigate that. The league has to keep these deals. If you're going to be a transaction league like the NBA is, short contracts, player movement, and fans seem to eat the – not seem to – fans eat that that kind of thing up, then you have to make it fair to the teams involved. And like I said, this is just – I'm curious if there's a fine coming, if there's a suspension coming or if there's, you know, you lose a second round pick or something coming as a punishment, because this isn't the first team to say that they felt uh, like just that they weren't, like I said, that it just wasn't forthcoming that they didn't really know what was going on. So they had him in house and got him in the physical. And in the end, they went through with it anyway, because to be honest with you, they wanted rid of James Wiseman that badly. But, um, but it's not um it's going to give teams pause when they're doing business with Portland for a bit.
2: Lead NBA writer for nbcsports.com Kurt Heelan joining us on the waitfor.com hotline. How big of a favorite do you think the Suns are now in winning the NBA title? Um, obviously with the Durant move, I mean it changes the complexion of the entire league. How big of favorites yeah. do you think that they are now?
3: I don't I don't think they're big favorites. I don't think well first of all, I don't think they're favorites. I would still pick Boston and Milwaukee, maybe Philly over them. Um, I'm, I'm not completely sold. I've got, look, on paper, they're the best team in the West and, and a contender. But I've got questions. I just need to see it. I need to see them stay healthy, including Chris Paul. And look, Booker has missed time this year. Obviously, Durant's missing time. fluke injury, but missing time. Um, I need to see them defend. And what I really need to see, John, is on a championship team, If you're not Kevin Durant in this case, you're going to have to, and maybe Booker to a little degree, you're going to have to sacrifice. Booker's going to have to sacrifice some touches to Kevin Durant. Mm -hmm. Chris Paul's, I think, the kind of guy willing to make sacrifices. But is is DeAndre Ayton going to be happy setting picks and rolling to the rim and not getting some post touches and just being asked to defend and rebound? And you can kind of go down the roster from there. Are these guys ready to make? the sacrifices you need to make as a championship team. And sometimes that takes a little – it took Miami a year. It took Dwayne Wade a year, you know, and Chris Bosh time to figure out what they were going to do with LeBron. I think that that could be the case here. They might be more dangerous next season than this season.
2: So I talked about this last night on my show uh, about Durant's (laughs) comments at the press conference and and all that stuff. You know, obviously Durant's a two-time NBA champion, but not as, you know – not as the lead whore, or, or at least let's say the face of the franchise. Yeah, it didn't work out in Brooklyn. It didn't work out in Oklahoma City. He did win his two titles, but we'll always look at that team as Steph's team, and and Clay and Draymond and, and guys like that. And not that he was just along for the ride. He was a key cog in all of that. But if he doesn't win in Phoenix with a really loaded roster, what does it say about the legacy of Kevin Durant? Like. Where does all of that fall, do you think if if he's not able to get it done in Phoenix coming off of what was going to be the the latest super team in Brooklyn with guys? it just seems like you know it's he he's one of the best offensive players in the history of the game, but is he yeah. a real leader of a franchise
3: I think that that's what he needs what he went to Brooklyn to do and didn't and I think is on him now, even though. I think there's better support in this case. Um, well, there, first off, there's no Kyrie Irving, so th- that should help with team chemistry. You know, team guys showing up every night and all that. Um, but look, Chris Paul is a great leader, and Monty—they they have a fantastic coach in Monty Williams, right? Like, um, who's who's a leader? I think that that helps in this case. But if it fails, yeah, I think that that's the. Is that the thing that keeps Kevin Durant from being, well, he's going to finish in the top 20 all-time players easily. But is that the thing that keeps him at, I don't know, let's pick a random number, 12 or 15 instead of seven? Like, you know, or wherever you're going to rank these guys. It could be. But if he but if he can lead a team, because the guys at the very tops, you know, the, the, the Jordans and the LeBrons and the Magics and the Koreans or whatever, Bill Russells, They were the man on those teams, and I think that's the thing still sort of lacking. Like you you said, I think that is the one thing lacking from his resume.
2: Last question. Um, If Boston and Milwaukee hook up in the playoffs, I don't know that there could be a better series to watch. I mean, the way Milwaukee's playing right now, and Middleton's back, and he's healthy, and Holiday, and then obviously – You know Boston's just as as deep as anybody you know in the NBA. I mean, it's that series if they hook up in the playoffs, I I think that's going to be one of the all timers.
3: Yeah, that that Eastern Conference Finals, which is what it would be, I think. To to me, that's that's this NBA Finals in some ways because I just don't think the teams in the West, even even if maybe maybe if Phoenix gets it all together, but. I don't think it's going to come together that to that level fast enough. I think that that's your NBA Finals, and I'm with you. I think that that is an epic uh, – two really good defensive teams, uh, two teams that know each other, two teams with really tough matchups in Tatum and, and, and on Tentacupo. I know so much is going to fall on, on Jalen Brown and Chris Middleton. It's, it is just a fascinating series up and down. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one.
2: Follow him on his Twitter page, at Basketball Talk. He's the lead NBA writer and managing editor for NBCSports.com. Kurt Heelan joined us here on the WadeFord.com hotline. Kurt, as always, buddy, appreciate it, man. Thanks for a few minutes. Have fun uh, with the, all the all-star activities. I will. I,
3: I yeah, it's, it's, It is always a fun weekend, and it's always kind of, you know, just as a media guy, sometimes it's fun to see the people you – Text with and talk to online <laughs> and actually get to see him in person and have a drink. It's always kind of fun.
2: Well, appreciate it, Kurt, uh, as always. Uh, John Chuckery will be back. Sports Radio 929 The Game, the Odyssey.com app.